Hi, everyone. Welcome to today's IG Showcase webinar. Uh, my name is Frank D'Elia. I'm a senior program manager in Microsoft IT. Uh, I've been in Microsoft for uh, over 14 years working in IT and have covered uh, things in the communications and collaboration space from website management to uh, our services around Yammer, uh, Office 365 groups, and most recently Microsoft Teams. I'm joined here today by David. And I am David Johnson. I'm also in the same organization within uh, Microsoft IT. I am a program manager architect accountable towards our 365 uh, solutions and helping our businesses be successful collaborating and building on top of our services. Thanks, David. So today we're going to be talking about uh, good governance and security with respect to our environment, how we manage things at Microsoft IT. Uh, we will uh, you know, go through and, uh, well, let's just take a look. We'll, uh, we'll talk a little bit about the Microsoft IT landscape, like how we structure and have things running here in our own environment. Uh, we'll look at our collaboration and sharing options. What are the choices that employees uh, get to make? We'll talk about uh, governance uh, overall from a conceptual uh, yep. point of view. And we'll talk about some of the specific policies and what we have to do to enact those policies in our own environment. And then we'll do a uh, question and answer. Now, uh, you're welcome to add questions at any time throughout the webcast. Just enter that in the Q&A window and we'll uh, take a look and try and weave those in where appropriate. We're also going to save and plan some uh, time at the end to, uh, to answer any remaining questions that you may have. Uh, so with that, uh, we'll kind of dive in here. Uh, David, I know in today's environment there's lots of concerns about you know, uh, risks, security risks, uh, uh, vulnerabilities and with respect to IT and, and corporations in general. With all that going on, what, how do you view the, the and sort of summarize the, the challenges that we face uh, from an IT perspective today? No, it's a great question. I think that there's uh, obviously uh, a lot of choice for our employees. You have either uh, other potential non-IT services, solutions that potentially IT hasn't purchased, cloud services uh, that uh, may not be under IT control, consumer services. Um, we have a significant volume of data we're trying to manage for our employees and that growth continues and how do we help uh, them be successful in getting their job done. Because at the end of the day, if you're not helping our employees get our job done, they're going to find a way to work around you. So uh, <laughs> we want to make sure that we're uh, not in their way at the same time. We have to protect the company because I think that's a fundamental for us, right, is if we don't protect the company and we don't empower our employees, we've kind of failed as IT. Yeah, I, I, I agree, absolutely. Um, well, let's give people a little orientation, right? So we kind of know kind of what's challenging us, uh, but let's consider also what, you know, where we're operating and how our yeah. environment's put together here within Microsoft. Great. So within Microsoft, we still have on-prem SharePoint. So we have a, a number of uh, team sites and portals and app, business applications that are still running on SharePoint on-premise. Uh, in the cloud, though, which is where the vast majority of our footprint is, we have beyond SharePoint, we have Microsoft Teams, we have Yammer, we have uh, Outlook connected groups. And uh, on all the Office 365 group connected sites are also backed by SharePoint. So when we think about the kind of volume of things we have, which by the way, don't all add up because it's not necessarily a, a sum total. In some cases, the group is going to be an Outlook connected group. In some cases, it's going to be with Microsoft Teams. Um, but uh, any way you look at it, in any of those cases, you're going to have a SharePoint site behind that group backing it for the file storage for that thing. In addition to the group-connected SharePoint sites, we have a number of non-group-connected SharePoint sites, and we have a huge volume of that. We've got over 200,000 
SharePoint site collections within this company, whether they're group-backed or not, uh, whether they're enterprise portals or uh, team sites for divisions or just projects are going on within the company trying to empower our employees. At the same time, we also have OneDrive for Business, for business personal purposes. Cool, excellent. Now, in all this environment, one of the, the, the big, big questions that we were run into with, with, with all these options across all these environments, how do we know when, when they apply or when, how, when to use them? Right. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, choosing and, and sharing the, uh, you know, where, where you're working? Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. So we start with thinking about the employee space, the, the kind of a, the, person, the business personal space for the employee, the OneDrive for Business site. The OneDrive for Business site is where the employee can get their work done. We'd rather them have documents on their OneDrive for Business versus them having them on their local device because if this device just dies, then I want my files somewhere available to me. I don't have to worry about backups of devices anymore. I want the files in the cloud for them. At the same time, that's also the space where that employee is able to build the things they want to potentially not share. It's not just for things that are sharing with others. It's things that I just want them working on. It's draft content I'm potentially authoring. And from there, it's the things that I'm sharing maybe one-on-one -on -one with my manager, content on OneDrive for Business, or I'm sharing, I'm drafting something and then eventually it's going to go over to the team site. And that's kind of, kind of the next level up of reach of content moves from that OneDrive for Business site up to the team site. That team site or group connected team site, SharePoint site, is where now I've got that content for that project that's going on within the company, the virtual team that's going to be work done. They've got their their, their, all their collateral, their, their news they're sharing, the, the events that are going on within the team, it's all there as part of a group, it's all part of a team site. Now if I want to have a one layer up from there, the more managed content, the enterprise portals, the divisional portals, the publishing, that I'm now sharing with them, the people outside of my boundary, the people outside of my team. I'm sharing with a company overall or some subset of a company information critical to them. And so we think about these sets of things as between the portal to the SharePoint team site and OneDrive for Business is all flavors of how I'm doing collaboration, how I'm doing sharing within the enterprise. Cool. Now, you're, you're kind of talking about all of sort of those, those, uh, those, those options, those environments that we have. Uh, a question that I get quite frequently is really about an individual who's needing mm -hmm. to make a choice yes. about how they're going to collaborate and what they're going to do. Uh, so I want to I talk about that for a moment, but let me step back for a moment because we have all kinds of capabilities with Office 365, and uh, the, the nice thing is you can choose what you, what you need, what you need to use. But uh, today we now have Office 365 groups which is this portable membership container. I can set up who I want to collaborate with once in one place and then be able to use any of these capabilities as I need to or as fits the work that I'm trying to get done. Exactly. Uh, so that's, that's something that's, you know, has really made life easier. People don't feel like they've got duplicate work they have to do in all kinds of different places. That said, there still is the question of uh, how do you choose in any given circumstance or, uh, or scenario, what is it that it makes sense to use? Uh, and so I wanted to you know, share a little bit of the, the view that I've come around to uh, on that question. And I think one of the important things to do is to, um, to think first about how your group operates. How do they talk to each other, right? We're familiar with email. I always think of email as the least common denominator uh, capability. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's sort of a, a go-to place. But more and more, I see people want you know, real-time interaction. They really want to get an answer immediately, or they're working closely with people who may not even be in the same place or even the same time zone that mm -hmm. they're in. 
Uh, and so they want this uh, you know, real-time persistent chat. They want a, a dialogue that can, that can go on but, and still be in the context of the work that they're doing. It's like a virtual team hallway, effectively, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. You feel like you're right there with your team, uh, even if they're, they're far away. Now, another thing, and I get this question a lot, is uh, with, uh, for example, Microsoft Teams kind of coming in the scene, how do I think about Yammer where I've already established a presence? Now, we use that extensively here within Microsoft, and one of the major uh, scenarios where we've seen great success is in building large community. Mm -hmm. So, for example, I know in our, our organization of 500 or so people, we're able to share information about you know, what's coming up, what are current uh, events for the team, and, and current challenges that we're facing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was going to say, it's also a great way for us to communicate with a company overall that we have a, a 365 in, in community internally where we can get feedback back from people using our services internally as well as provide information on what's coming up and new things we want to educate them on, right? Right. It's, it's a company-wide platform mm -hmm. for communication and sharing, which is, uh, which is an important part of our culture here at Microsoft. Right. Uh, so... Uh, I wanted to also kind of point out that while you've got this conversation mode, that's sort of a, a key pivot for you know how you choose to work and communicate with people. There's also the notion of uh, you know what is the specific work you're trying to get done. Yeah. So as you look kind of uh, you know deeper into some of the uh, capabilities, uh, you, that helps you kind of decide well what can I do when I'm here? What what kinds of uh, uh, particular uh, you know, strengths and scenarios does this map to? Uh, and then you also have to think about how you know, in your culture, kind of how open you want to be. I know there are some teams within uh, Microsoft that are, you know, happy and it's perfectly safe for them to work openly and share with everyone uh, the, the work that they're doing, for example, around our, uh, the facilities we have and kind of investments we're making in our, uh, in our campus and our environment. Uh, but there are some things that are really, you know, trade secrets. There are mm -hmm. things where we're working to innovate and we're not as open to sharing. And so mm -hmm. that influences the choice of how we choose to collaborate in, one circumstance or with one particular group. Absolutely. Yeah. Anything to add there? No, I think that I think that is a key point, though, is to the kind of sensitivity of your project may also drive where you are. If I, if I have a, a highly sensitive project or a closed project, maybe I am working in Microsoft Teams or maybe I'm having an Outlook group conversation because you'd rather you be in a group-connected environment than, for example, Legacy DL mm -hmm. uh, for all the advantages that a group's going to provide us, right? And I think that's... Uh, the, the opportunity there versus Yammer, maybe maybe I'm working a little more out loud there. Maybe I'm working a little more open. Uh, maybe my project's not quite so confidential. Um, I still could be, but maybe not. That's kind of our, our general d direction internally anyways. Good, good. So. Well, I wanted to shift the conversation a little bit towards uh, governance. Uh, so let's, let's think about that. But first of all, I know there's, there's different, kinds of, uh, different kinds of ways of uh, thinking about governance. I mean, yeah. Some people will kind of walk in and I know exactly what that means, but it's, we need to look at the, the big picture, David. Yeah, because it's a kind of a loaded word in many ways. It means a lot of things to a lot of people. And you think of governance in terms of how do I manage the solution capacity? How do people, what's my app catalog look like? How do I, how do I allow people to even consume and build on top of my services? How do I handle discovery? What does my enterprise portal look like? What does my information architecture for my company? What does my enterprise taxonomy look like? My corporate schemas, information that helps make it so sharing works better. And you know, what are my corporate best bets, corporate directory? Corporate, uh, how do I kind of manage that? That's another part of governance when we think, in fact, these are all things we do. But the, a lot of the focus of this conversation today is going to be more on the, 
how do we do what we call kind of container governance, whether it's a classic SharePoint site, standalone SharePoint site, or, a, or an Office 365 group connected site, or a group overall, how do we think about that container and the implications of that container, in addition to how do we then protect that content? How do we provide security governance on top of our, our portfolio effectively? Great, yeah. So let's, let's take a deeper look at you know, the, the SharePoint Office 365, that container uh, governance that you were talking about. Right. How, do we, how do we think about that high level? Yeah, and I, and I think it goes back to some of the challenges we mentioned earlier that the fundamentally, we're trying to empower our employees. That's kind of job one. And you know, if, if I think about how I'm, how I'm enabling you to get your partner with your peers, how I'm enabling you to collaborate externally when you need to, how I'm enabling you to share broadly from the company, those are all things I have to do. At the same time, I'm going to protect those things. I'm going to help, or at least I'm going to help you protect those things. I'm going to help lead you into doing the right things. In addition to that, I want to make sure that we are, if we're empowering our employees to get their job done, we're also holding those employees accountable. I know who owns something. I know what the rules are for you. You as an employee know what the rules are, and you as an employee are acting upon those appropriately. And if you're not, we're able to catch those. We're able to audit that kind of information. So that's kind of our core goals of empowerment, protect, and at the same time, watch and you know, hold our employees accountable. And we think of then the policies alignment to that. It's everything from how do I have least, uh, basically limit access to where it's absolutely required? How do I make sure that um, I'm, I've got some sort of life cycle in, in place so I can make sure that I've got a clean environment overall. I've got a managed environment overall. How do I make sure that ultimately I'm doing things like classification, um, which I'll get to in just a minute, but uh, how do I make sure I've got the right ownership accountability and uh, that I even know who, who owns something appropriately and that someone is actually going to take action when I ask them, for example. So those are all kind of things that we do. When we think about data classification, and why don't we go on to that? Yeah. The, the, the classification scheme, you know, in, internally at Microsoft, we've had, we've had a, this one classification scheme, which is kind of the icons of the left, and then we've kind of moving towards this new labeling for these things because we're rationalizing our classification scheme between what we used to have for containers and SharePoint with also the Azure information protection, which we're, we're rolling out now as well. So we're trying to make sure we've got consistency in terms of how our employees are thinking about that classification whether it's but what I'd call the highly, highly business impact content, the highly confidential stuff, that basically you want to make sure you're completely protect. It's the content that maybe it's pre-earnings information or merger information or a really secret project that you're working on mm -hmm. that must be protected. The content is absolutely critical to be need to know only versus maybe that divisional content, maybe the MBI, it's still confidential. It's, it's, it is meant to be protected, but it's not of that extremely limited need-to-know basis. But that said, MBI or confidential is not all company. All company for us is you know, LBI, which is low business impact, or the new kind of phrasing we use general is that. Uh, meaning basically, go ahead, share with people you need to share with in the company, and don't share it externally, it's not customer ready, but at least feel free to have a conversation internally, share it, learn from each other. At Microsoft, we're all about building on each other where we can, and con content that's labeled as general or LBI is content that's completely free for us to build on top of each other's work and make sure we're benefiting more as a company to build on. Right. Lastly, of course, our public. Yep, so, absolutely. Yeah. Now, one of the things uh, I know I think a lot about is 
we've got these great classification schemes so we kind of have a sense of, of what kind of data we're working with. But I have to know, I have to recognize uh, where those classifications are applied. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that we, uh, we love that we see now is those labels, those classification labels showing up directly in the places where I work. So, you know, looking at kind of the, the slide we're sharing right now, there's uh, an ability to see whether I'm working in a, a typical SharePoint site, whether I'm working in a, a modern group, uh, perhaps in Outlook, or it could be mm -hmm. in, in SharePoint as well. Uh, I, I have the visibility of what kind of information I can expect to find and what kind of information uh, I should be sharing within a particular, in a particular place. Exactly, it's all about that user education effectively to make sure that our employees understand how to handle and work with a content that they're, we're trying to protect. And to make that easier, I think one of the things we're now uh, beginning to introduce is Azure Information Protection, where we get an opportunity to not only classify the, the nature of our containers, but also a specific uh, piece of content, a document or file, right. I can then classify, and so I would know, look at that file, exactly how to treat it. Right, and, and that's something that we're in the process of rolling out now internally. Uh, our belief is every container needs a classification because every project should be classified, right? You, you know it's a top secret project we're working on, or you know if it's, the project is sensitive but maybe not too sensitive, or you know it, it's, it's available to company-wide is fair game, right? Yep. So you know that, and maybe then you classify the individual pieces of content, or you certainly classify the content that, that is more sensitive that you really want to protect. Even, even more deeply, but at the end of the day, we expect the, the mandatory for us is that you've taken the time to classify that container. Right, exactly. So now, with all these capabilities, I know one of the questions that, uh, that I hear about, maybe you've heard, is what, um, what is, what's the difference? Like, what can I do moving to cloud versus what I might be used to doing in my on-prem environment? Can you, can you talk a little bit about how you, how you think about that and, and the differences? Yeah, absolutely. The, and this is also, in this slide, is you know, a conversation I, I typically like to have is how we were thinking about our on-prem world and what's available there. And, and you, know, you, can pretty, you can do everything in, in on-prem. You can feel comfortable on-prem. But when we think about the level of controls we have in place in the product, we feel more confident now with Office 365 and controls in place. You know, things like the auditing capabilities and service. And I now have a, the, in the compliance center and in, in, uh, in the protection center, I basically have the ability to go in and say, I want to find all activities by a certain person. I want to find all activities on a given site. I want to find all activities of a certain type. I can go do that because auditing is everywhere. For example, on, on Office 365 and within between SharePoint and OneDrive and Exchange and so and, and, and more workloads coming soon. So it meaning that I can therefore be confident that I know and I can hold my employees accountable because it goes right back to our accountability thing. On premise, I didn't have that same level of ability. I had auditing in places in pockets but it was, getting that at scale everywhere and being proactive so it was always there was not necessarily something that was in place. Well, I, I got to interrupt you, David. Let me get this straight. Are you saying you're sleeping better at night because our stuff is in the cloud? Yes, and I, I, no, absolutely, because at the end of the day, our services have more controls. We, we, when you think about the scale of Office 65 and the, kind of, uh, the, the things we have in place there, we just have a, ourselves in a better position in cloud. Now, that said, there's a different security posture in cloud than on-prem. And there's other controls that you want to think about when your content is in cloud than on-prem. 
for example, in the cloud, what does it mean for device protection? Do I do, I do device protection? Do I allow someone with my phone, for example, to access content? Well, we do, but we want to make sure, for example, our phones are going to be enrolled devices and making sure that they, therefore, we're trusting that the, uh, the device is appropriately able to access our services, for example. So we use the conditional access services and, and with, with Intune and, and, and to be able to help us manage our, our, our access to our environment. Or we say, you know what, maybe I want to block completely, maybe I want to uh, block download. And those are all things that we're trying internally to say, what is the right level of protection we're going to have? But that's kind of, when you think about the, 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 the difference between prem and cloud, the objection I hear the most is really, well, people can access me now from different ways and different, and different services. And we, the answer to that really is fundamental controls are better in cloud to begin with. And number two, if, if device access is really your, your concern, there are also controls in place for that. Or you can, you know what, say on 365, I want to limit to network traffic to these addresses. Or I want to limit to saying, I'm going to block uh, based on the, this type of device and say, you know what, this, this device is not trusted. You can only view on the web. You can't download anything to that device. Those are all things that, for example, we can do to give us a level of confidence we need in cloud. All right, great, cool. Now, um, shifting just, just a little bit here, uh, I, sometimes I want to share uh, some content. You know, I'm trying to, to work with people, and it's not always cl clear kind of what the best way to do that. Uh, and I know right. that you've gotten that question. You've kind of got some, some philosophy on that. Are you willing to share that? How do you think about those, yeah. those questions? Well, and I think sharing, it's one of those things that as IT, you, you well, certainly we, we get scared about is, hey, uh, people or we're sharing content or you drop, people drop something into a folder but they don't realize permissions of it. And how do you protect that? How do you look for that? How do you, how do you, how do you minimize the risk of that? And so we kind of think about the sharing in, in, in terms of, you know, a couple of adopt different options for sharing. And, and, and so when I think about this, the first one is, am I doing permission-based sharing where I'm saying, you know, the classic model of I'm ackling effectively a given folder or, or site to say, right. hey, I'm going to add this user specifically here and, or this set of people to this site or this security groups. And that's great. I can still permission content. I can still permission sites. Nothing blocking me from doing that. Um, the, and there's a lot of opportunity, advantages to that. Uh, the content's available in search, it's going to be discoverable for anyone who wants to find it, who is, who is uh, in those security groups have access to that site. Um, the, I, can, I can break away permissions and have subfolders. Uh, at the same time, the challenge with permission-based management is permissions get tricky for people. People don't always understand permission management on a given site. They don't understand that um, this folder has different access than that folder. Or you, worse yet, people go ahead and say, I want to just add everyone except external guests to a folder because, well, I want to share with people and I don't, I don't know a better security group to share with, so I'm just going to use this one and that way I'll always be safe. Even though maybe my content isn't meant to be shared with the entire company, I just did so. So that's the challenge of permission sharing historically. The nice thing now with, with what OneDrive SharePoint is introducing and what we've been using internally now for a while and uh, is kind of working well for IT is the notion of link-based sharing. So as opposed to um, the effectively changing permissions, I'm just sharing a link. I'm saying, Frank, here's, you're, you're not in this project, but I'm sharing with you this specific link to the content, and now the only way you've access to that content is via the link. Oh. And that changes the whole dynamic, right? Because now you can't find it via search. It's not wide open to the company anymore. It's not wide open to the security group. It's only available to the people I sent that link to. And, that, and if you then choose to reforward that link, right. which you can choose to do if I, I if I choose a link that's say for everyone at Microsoft, 
but you, you, you are still restricting to who is getting that link at the end of the day. And if I now discover as the owner of that content that that content has been, maybe that link has gone broader, maybe someone posted that link to Yammer, I just go in and say, revoke link. And no one, that link no longer has access. No one has that. No one can get in via the link anymore. It now reverts back to what permissions were in place before, or other links available. So as IT, I can feel more comfortable in terms of helping my employees share with the reach that they intend to share with, mm -hmm. while not sharing broadly. And it's kind of in some ways like the email model, you know? Yeah, well, I was going to just say, yeah. it's like a natural, it's a natural action, because when I'm communicating with people, regardless of what the platform is, which conversation mode I am, ultimately here, I want to hand them the link, right? right? I know I want my content to be stored and managed in one place, but hey, take a look when you've got time. So it's like the, mm -hmm. the, the model just seems more so, so natural to me. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think here's the other thing that we really don't want people to send around attachments. Attachments can, you know, get kind of get out of IT's control to a certain degree. And we want to say, you know what, send a modern attachment. Instead of sending an attachment, you're actually in Outlook, you're attaching a link to, to OneDrive SharePoint. And or you're just in in clients or in SharePoint OneDrive, you're you're sharing the link. And so at the end of the day, all it is is a pointer back to the environment, which means that all the IT controls are now in place. That I can now see who, who accessed it, I can revoke that link, I can manage permissions, and I can, I can also watch what happened, uh, the activity on that file. It's all there for me as IT to feel comfortable about that. So that's kind of one, one pivot of how we think about sharing. Great, so that's, that's really putting the, the control in the hands of the user for what they want to do, where they, how they want to work. Yeah. Uh, that's a great segue. I just wanted to get uh, uh, the, the next topic here, I want to introduce that which is really around, uh, sorry here. Um, we, even, even before we move on, maybe we want, because we, a couple other things potentially to talk oh, about in that last right. one, the, um, just since I, I see we got a little bit of time to talk about this stuff too, that um, what, what if I wanted to, you know, the, when, do I, when do I do link-based sharing versus when do I do um, potentially go and create a new, a new group? Like the conversation sometimes is, Okay, go create a new folder. SharePoint will one drive completely allowed me to create folders and, and uniquely perm or share the entire folder with the link, and that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. The only thing you, when you when you share a folder, the thing to be thinking about is making sure that that folder is uh, people are aware of it. This folder's permissions are different from the other, or this folder has a link to it that maybe other parts don't. And that's fine if you if you if your employees on your site are educated as to the distinctions there. The Opportunity though is if I have a, a, a broad set of people I'm, I'm resharing with, or, or maybe that, for example, Frank and I are on one team and we've got one group here, but we now have this broader V team we're partnering with, with other teams inside the company, and we want to have that space too. Well, we would generally say, go create a new group for that space. Because if it's a, a new consistent set of people I'm sharing with, you build a new space for that, and then share. You know, I've got my space now for my isolated stuff, and I've got my space now for my broad stuff, and I can, I can put the things in the right places and have a little more confidence in it, and with membership management. In it. So I'd, I'd say that's kind of a piece of it. The other one I wanted to just quickly call out before we kind of uh, move on off this the sharing piece is just the notion of when resharing can occur, because resharing. You know, there, are, there are times if it's a highly sensitive secret project, you maybe want to have, say only the owner, the owner, the owner of a tent is allowed to allow bring people in, is allowed to reshare content effectively, and that may be okay, and you go go do that when you need to. I'd say the the challenge with that though tends to be that if if employees find that you're trying to share something, if I'm sharing something with Frank, uh, for example. Um, and I can't find I'm stuck, I'm not allowed to, what do I end up doing? Well, I have access to a document. I end up pulling the document off, putting it in an email, 
and sending an mm -hmm. attachment to it. And so all I've done is I've still shared the content because I had access to it, but I shared it in a way I, I really didn't want people to share it. And so we generally say, you know what, while you can restrict member, you can restrict, for example, only me members can share, turn that off, restrict, get a link, and no one can send links, yeah. only the owner can share. Generally, I'd say that's you reserve that for cases where it must be reserved. Yeah. You're reminding me of that concept we brought up early on about you know making sure there's less friction for people to get their work done because ultimately they're they're going to find a way. They will uh, find a way. Let's let's have them do it in a way that we understand what's going on and that the content is in a more you know, exactly. more securely managed. Yeah, exactly. And by the way, the screenshot on the slide is simply a, a view of the new sharing in SharePoint OneDrive and the, the fact that the link control allows me to basically say, okay, well, first of all, IT policies kick in here, and if, if I'm not allowed to share outside the company, for example, with, uh, with people, then maybe the, or uh, an unrestricted link, maybe the anyone will be grayed out, like in this case. Uh, maybe the, um, maybe I'm only allowed to share with people within the company, or maybe I'm allowed to share, share with specific people. So those options will be dependent upon the IT configuration settings, what's available. Uh, but that's the opportunity here, is IT can still control what that level of sharing is, and we feel comfortable with that. But at the same time, our employees have an easy way to share without just broadly adding some security group to a thing and, and risking oversharing. Mm -hmm. Good, so, so here we're talking about sharing individual pieces of content, individual documents. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, we really empower our employees to understand and uh, make decisions about how they want to work together, right? So yeah. when you're kind of grown beyond that and you just share a document, you know, we need to work together on something to so, the, hey, let's bring some other people together and collaborate. That's when you might have to look at, you know, creating a new space for your collaboration. And so we empower users to, you know, choose and create their own sites, uh, groups, uh, and places where they can, they can work. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we find, you know, that's less friction, allows people to get their work done, less intervention or interference from IT. Uh, and uh, so let's just talk just briefly about some of those, mm -hmm. those choices. Uh, and the, the notion is if we can make it easy for people to do these things, again, just like we were saying, we'll have people collaborating and working in environments that, that we know and we trust. Okay. So uh, with Outlook now, uh, one of the things uh, you know, you know, people uh, you know, come to me with questions about is, is you know, how do I, I'm comfortable in Outlook, how do I continue to use Outlook in, in a new way? Is there, uh, how, do you, how do you address that? What's, what's, what's possible in Outlook that wasn't possible a few years ago? Well, and, and I think this goes back to, I mean, there's two parts of this. From an employee perspective, I can now go create the Outlook Connected group if I choose, and the advantage there is, you know, historically, I may have had this distribution list, and I've had people on a distribution list I manage in Outlook, and, and, and or manage somewhere else in Outlook. I can then mail that group uh, effectively. Um, maybe I had a separate security group for that set of sets of people because I wanted to permission assets for that set of people. And oh, by the way, I probably had a separate SharePoint site over somewhere else, right? And so I'd have all these things that were kind of disconnected for that same set of people who are trying to work together. And the nice thing about this, this notion is, and, and for IT is, and for the, the membership, is that I've now created that group in Outlook. Um, I've now set that set of people up, and I now can share files within, it, it feels a lot more seamless. I'm just sharing it within the experience that I'm used to. I'm in Outlook, I'm in OA. I click on files, I now go to the SharePoint site for those, I see the files that are part of that group effectively. I can now add new documents that I'm sharing and working with people. So the distribution list is no longer just as a, a set of attachments being back and forth sent around, for example. Yeah, as an owner of an Office 365 group, which 
provides this modern distribution list, I recognize I'm not getting the request for, oh, can I get that file that I saw the link to in the email? Because when I'm sharing stuff in this environment, people have access to all those, right. all those resources already. And a big part of this is, to a certain degree as IT, I don't care if you created the group via Microsoft Teams or SharePoint itself or, or, or Outlook. At the end of the day, it's the same fundamental construct. It's the same Active Directory, ob Azure Active Directory object, which is in place, the same membership in place, meaning I as IT can put the appropriate controls in place around this thing. I can feel comfortable that I can manage that container again. That group is a container. But from an employee perspective, I don't have to think of it as a container. I think of it as a, I've got this group in Outlook, or I've got this group in Teams, right? And that's, to me anyways, it, that's a great opportunity, right? right. The, 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 the only thing we have to do is educate to say, you know what, I don't, at the end of the day, if I created a Teams, I don't go have to go create a separate Outlook connected group. I've got both in one, mm -hmm. right? Exactly. And one of the things I'm excited about with uh, Yammer now coming into the fold, Yammer, uh, we're working to have those also become uh, Office 365 connected groups. Uh, now I can get those same advantages in my communities, the communities that, that have already spun up and have traction uh, within Microsoft. Uh, I can continue to work there, and I have some of the controls uh, that we love to see in Office 365. Well, exactly, and, and you, th you think of files in Yammer, and you say, well, look, I had files in Yammer, and I had files in SharePoint. Well, where are the files for my team again? Now you go, it doesn't matter. I have files in the group. That group connected site is in the SharePoint. Yammer has the files in, in that same SharePoint site. Opportunity. Things are coming together. Exactly. I love it. I love it. Uh, so with Microsoft Teams, we, we talked a little bit about that earlier on. Uh, that's something that's a, when, when small groups are looking to collaborate closely around a, you know, their projects or initiatives, I think Teams is a great choice. It really brings people in, allows them to, to interact, uh, and again, uh, you know, more so than, than I've seen uh, in most mm -hmm. places, it, it brings all the resources and the, the things that my team needs to use on a daily basis yeah. into, into one place. It right. really simplifies uh, the, you know, finding information yeah. and getting the work done. It front ends that experience for, so now I've got the files that were in that SharePoint site right there. And if I, and, and, and it's also the nice thing about Teams to me is, I can choose to grow up into Teams. So I can go create that group in Outlook that we mentioned earlier mm -hmm. and say, you know what, I don't want just a, a DL replacement where I'm an Outlook from a conversation standpoint. I want to take advantage of pers persistent chat. I want the, the UI that Teams provides on top of file management, on top of SharePoint. Well, great, I can now enable that group as a team, a Teams enable the existing group without even creating a whole new group. Mm -hmm. right? And I think that, again, from my IT perspective, that's why we now have this uh, you know, from our perspective, people can just, we totally allow anyone to take a, a group and teams enable it and to get advantage or go create a new team if you need to. Yeah, I, I love it. You know, yeah. Just keep moving, evolving the collaboration is one way I, right. I like to think about it. But it also comes down to, I think the, the, the key that I, I think about here is the self-service enablement of this. You don't have to, you don't have to call IT to create a group, right? That you can go create it yourself. And this, I mean, a lot of companies I talk to, you know, you have a conversation of, do you open up self-service? Do you open up basically your user enablement? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think it goes back to, if you want that virtual teaming to kind of get the work done quickly and get their project without spinning up something that potentially is outside of IT, you know, we think of it, the, this as kind of our answer to that. We used to, we've been allowing SharePoint self-service for years. Um, and that for us has been very successful and productive because we've really enabled our, our employees to kind of get the site they needed. But now when we think about this whole self-service notion, it's, it doesn't matter what the collaboration workload is. It's, yeah. They get what they need. 
one of the concerns I do hear uh, is that you know with self-service, aren't there just you know groups and sites and these? Isn't it everywhere? Like, isn't there a uh, proliferation of, of all these things? And you know, potentially that that is a risk. But you know, we have now the capabilities of uh, you know doing lifecycle management yeah. so that those those groups continue to be viable. And if once their usefulness is, is up, uh, they can get uh, you know removed uh, as no longer needed. So that's something that we're looking forward to uh, uh, using and helping to manage. You know the the number and making sure the things that are in our environment are the things that are relevant and useful today. Yeah, exactly. Because when you go back, when you do open up the self service, how does IT feel comfortable in the self service notion? How do you feel comfortable that you're not just have stuff that's kind of potentially garbage? That you've got uh, teams that have real active sites there, real active groups there. So making sure you're doing exactly that. How do you protect those things? And we'll continue to talk about that stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now I know the experience of how people can uh, you know create. Uh, sites or groups has has changed a little bit. What's mm -hmm. what's that evolution been, or, or or what you know? What are we excited about when we look at it today? Well, I think that you know we we've we've done governance for for SharePoint for many years and before groups, and so we've we, we've we've had this pattern where we've we've provisioned a SharePoint site, and the format to the left is actually that a, a, an example screenshot of a format we've had that collects metadata about the SharePoint site, and we'll go ahead and and provision and and uh, collect the classification. No, no, those are things that that were custom. We didn't have them in the in product. Now SharePoint Patterns and Practices that's available has examples on how to set up your own provisioning, how to collect your own data. Um, you can go build this form yourself nice and easily. But that said, the whole opportunity and advantage and nice thing for us and that we're, we're actually kind of excited about internally is moving more to 365 groups because now I can say, as opposed to that custom form I had and I built and I, I, I still use because I still have lots of non-group connected SharePoint sites, there's still reasons for those. Um, the vast majority of my new content, my new sites are all going to be group connected. And so in product in SharePoint, in OA, in Microsoft Teams, the products themselves do that self-service enablement that we mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. but they also collect the metadata we want. But the fact that I've got my classification scheme we talked about earlier that's defined in my Active Directory, I've now able to, the, the products will enforce the collection of that classification because I specified it. Well, well now that we have this, this metadata, now, uh, what are we able to do? I think that's, we yeah. want to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, how we can use that information. Absolutely, and so this is, goes back to what kind of policies and what have we kind of put in place historically? And this, this is more of a table, just so we, more of a talking point, so we can talk to the, the example policies we've had. And you know, we, t we talk about the policy itself versus what we've done historically with just SharePoint, and this is, continues to evolve of, 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 of non-group connected SharePoint sites, of all the things that are standalone SharePoint that we have we've have custom solutions to manage. Uh, these solutions are ten generally running in Azure as jobs that, that are managing against a tendency. Um, and you know, 365 and SharePoint have all the appropriate APIs we can do to manage all this stuff. But the middle column then is about how our policies have evolved in taking advantage of more out-of-the-box capabilities from 365 groups and, um, and, and where we stand with that now versus where we're, things are, are we're working in of a product group, we're working with our engineering partners in the future around this versus where do we still have custom, and so let me talk through this a little bit. For example, it's things like we talked about enablement of, of, of self-service, we talked about collection of classification, we talked about displaying a classification. All those things are baked into product already today, We'll, we'll give you a link at the end of this deck on how you can find more information about that. There's a really good blog about that to read to find more information on it. We also want to make sure, though, that we 
uh, handle naming rules. Maybe bad words, for example, shouldn't be used as names for a group. Maybe I want to prefix groups. Now, in our case, I don't generally want to prefix. I could, but we, we generally don't want to. That's one of the things we've been piloting. We'll be doing our own kind of at least bad word checks, for example, for a long time. Now, uh, later this summer, we're getting uh, the, 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 the naming rules enforcement baked into products. So the Active Directory will enforce it directly. Um, usage guidelines are something that's already in product, so that I can say, when a user creates something, I want to educate you to say, here's what it means for you to create, get something, here's what it means for you to work with it, here's how you should be behaving effectively. And that usage guidelines doc link is now available on all workloads that provision a, a group. Um, we, we do things that, I mentioned ownership accountability, that that for us is still a, a, a custom process to manage ownership accountability, or we work around in place depending upon groups versus SharePoint. But the whole point there of we want to make sure we have somebody who's a full-time employee. We don't allow everybody to create a group. We don't allow suppliers, for example, internally to create a group. We want full-time employees to own and be accountable for groups within, within Microsoft. You can then add suppliers as co-owners, but we always want to have a, a, a Microsoft employee as an owner. We also have public versus private uh, alignment. We, Frank talked about earlier, and we talked about earlier, the, the classification, showing the classification. And one of the things about that is, if I have a highly confidential site or an HBI site, well, it probably shouldn't be open to the entire company. That's probably wrong. In fact, it's definitely wrong. And, and so we're going to scan for that, and we'll say, you know what, private group, I mean, a, an HBI group should be, a group labeled as HBI should be set as private. And now, the nice thing about this policy is this is one of those areas that the product group, our product partners in, in Office and Azure are very aware of a lot of these things. We're having ongoing conversations about it, and they'll announce when they're going to announce what they're going to do in this space. But I, I, I can say that we're, already, we're, we're doing all kinds of work internally in terms of how are we prototyping, how are we doing with a SharePoint. We also have our own custom jobs that manages stuff. How do we do things like remove that, that private, that public um, setting on a group, for example, if it's HBI. So we do that today, and you can, you can as well. And in the future, the product will, will, will hopefully do more in that space. Um, external sharing is another one, for example, external membership. That when is a group allowed to have external membership? When maybe, for example, it's a, a top secret group that HBI. Maybe you don't want to share it up with people outside the company. Maybe you want to limit the membership to people only inside. So in our case, it's one of the things that we do uh, today. Um, we have other means of how to share uh, externally and how to do collaboration HPI externally, but we don't want them as members of a group, for example. Um, we also do things like lifecycle management. You know, Frank was mentioning that earlier, a, a critical component of that, right? But mm -hmm. we were talking about uh, that policy. We've been doing that policy for years now of SharePoint, and our environment um, it was actually a major thing factor for us in terms of getting to the cloud. In fact, we've had lifecycle management, kept our, ourselves clean. We, we knew what we had to keep forward. With groups, which are one of the things we're piloting now. In fact, we're about to roll that out internally and the, the capability is rolling in the product this summer. So the ability to set an expiration period for your group and, and therefore the employee gets, a, the owner of that group gets an email notification that this group is going to expire in mm -hmm. uh, X period of time, great. We'd go take action and if you don't, uh, that group will be deleted. You'll have a little bit of, there'll be a little bit of leeway to recover if it was deleted prematurely, but at least making sure, again, we're keeping our environment clean. And yep. these are just examples of policies we're trying to apply. Great. Yeah. So it sounds like lots of stuff there. Now, if people want to get more information, what are, what are some of the options they have? What are some of the resources available to, to help them get uh, more information, get their yeah. questions answered? Well, first one, there's a, the link up at the top is the kind of the, um, the group blog that was published, I think, last month. 
or maybe a couple months ago now. But they can check the office blogs because that's where a lot of the kind of more recent announcements are being kind of published. And the reason I want to call it this one in particular is it's got a lot of great links on how to set up classification for your group. And so we mentioned earlier of a fact that we go into the Active Directory and we configure what that schema looks like. Well, that blog tells you about how to go do it yourself, how to set up what the classification is, how to set the default classification, how to set what your, um, how to set what your, uh, your, your usage guidelines are, for example. So it has the how to get started with groups and how to be successful. And so I just wanted to point to that. The other one that, um, you know, when we talk about more custom governance stuff, a lot of the... Uh, classic SharePoint non-group connected sites. We've had this uh, set of jobs we've been running internally to manage the environment. Um, examples of those are on patterns and practices um, in terms of how to do provisioning, how to do your own governance. But there's also that white paper up there around how to go, how do we do it effectively. The other one I want to call out is the migration of the cloud. That for us was a, um, we you know we have a, a significant volume of content when we think about just SharePoint. We now have one and a half petabytes of content, no, not petabytes, yeah, no, it is petabytes of content in the cloud. Uh, one, it's an amazing <laughs> number. Uh, one and a half petabytes of content between SharePoint and OneDrive in the cloud. Um, we started out on-prem with 36 terabytes, roughly. And, uh, and that white paper talks a lot about that migration program mm -hmm. that we did between how do we migrate enterprise portals, how do we migrate team sites. So we've got a lot of information around how we did it to help, certainly in the SharePoint space. But you know, as we think about this going forward, it's also then how, how do we then take advantage of new capabilities of groups? How do we take advantage of new uh, publishing capabilities going into SharePoint online? And so, you know, those are all things we'll be continuing to share. Great, excellent. Well, we're uh, just wrapping up now with our presentation portion of uh, of our session today. Uh, so now we want to do a little bit in the you know Q and A, answer answer some some questions. Now remember, you can type questions directly in the Q&A section uh, during the webcast, so please go ahead and do that, and we'll take a look at those and uh, answer here. Um, and I'll read, to, read through the questions as they, as they come in. Um, so uh, let's see. I, let me just take a look here. Um, ah, so here, here's a question. How, how do we validate that an employee's uh, site is, is correctly classified? Mm. Fair, no, that's a fair question. Um, so I think there's a couple parts of that is, one, we use DLP. I mentioned the, the, the DLP service earlier as an in-product capability, but we use uh, the digital leak prevention to kind of scan for sensitive patterns. For example, credit card numbers, or social security numbers, or maybe top secret code names that we might have. Um, scan for that content and say, let's flag that content. Now we can either do a few things with that when we flag it. We can say, you know what, I'm going to quarantine this content and block it completely. I'm going to um, warn the individual of what they're doing or I'm simply going to report back. In our case, we report back to IT and we have a, a, a comp our compliance partners and in, mm -hmm. in, in, in our corporate security team uh, look for those DLP reports to say, okay, this content is now flagged as this top secret pattern or this pattern of content that's potentially got sensitive data in it. Let's now have a conversation back to that, that site owner of, hey, is this site classified correctly? So today that's a manual process where they're using DLP to cross match and reference, but we're doing that now. We've got the tooling in place to at least enable us. Yeah. Uh, and our hope is in the future product is more in that space, so a little more automated, but right now at least we've got the, the capability to at least A, collect the label in product and B, do DLP in product. Yeah. We're able to manage those risks that we, we do detect it, exactly, in our environment. Exactly, exactly. Great, great, yeah. excellent. Uh, I'm just looking here. Uh, uh, well, 
Let's, I guess somebody has a question. I want to elaborate a little bit on um, uh, what they can do if they actually do not want to allow sharing outside the company. Okay. Uh, obviously, we take a stance where people need to collaborate and work together, and that includes people who may not be you know, within our company. But what, yeah. what if that's not appropriate in your environment? Well, so I think there's a couple things there. Is one, you know, we, we, we internally made the choice that we, we like people collaborating in externally where it makes sense and via OneDrive SharePoint. I would far rather I send uh, uh, someone in Windows, for example, send something to uh, one of our partner companies that they've been working on uh, next generation capabilities with uh, on a SharePoint site, my documents stay there. I've been emailing around that attachment. So that's absolutely one of the things we want to do. Now that said, there's a couple of ports to that, that on the tenancy, you've got levels of control. You can say, I want to set, do I enable external membership on my groups? Do I enable external sharing on SharePoint? Do I allow um, a kind of broad, almost like anonymous level of access on, on SharePoint? What level of controls am I going to allow at the tenancy level? But then they can go deeper to say, on each individual site, are those same switches on or off? So I can now say, this, this site here has external membership enabled, but now that this is HPI, I'm going to turn that setting off. And so there's no longer any external people allowed into that group. Or on a, on a share, on a, again, with SharePoint of, or OneDrive, this, this person is allowed to share externally, on, uh, uh, share links externally, or not. And so, you know, the sharing dialogue we showed earlier has the ability for me to gray out options on that. I can say, you know what, you're not allowed to share specific people outside the company. And the product will warn and say, you just tried to share with Joe at Contoso.com. Joe is outside your organization. Your policy for this site is set that you can, are not, not allowed to do that. So I have control at the tenancy level, and I have control at the site collection level, and control at the group level for these settings, which enable me to get the confidence I need to, sh uh, to allow sharing where it's needed. Maybe, for example, that you actually have, um, you know, even sometimes it's, maybe it's top secret content. Maybe I'm, I'm working on a really sensitive project. Maybe we're acquiring some other company. We're talking about it, for example, for the other company. Um, maybe that, that site can still be on 365 and I can still enable that external sharing, sharing capability, uh, but I can choose to enable it there versus on others. Hmm. So, things like that. Putting people in control. Exactly, putting people in control and putting IT in the position of saying, you know what, I'm going to be able to help empower when it makes sense, but also protect when it makes sense, right? right? There, there is that, that balance, right? And so we, you know, we have to look at our our risk profile, whatever, as we make those decisions and decide what, what policies we're going to have in place. Exactly, exactly. So kind of along those lines, another question uh, here uh, is about uh, our self-service and, and uh, do we put any limits on who can create Office 365 groups today? Yeah. And so, you know, I, I think I mentioned a little bit, on touched on this one, that we only allow full-time employees to create a group. Now, that is because we, 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 it goes back to the accountability problem, that at the end of the day, if someone is potentially only going to be with a company for six months, a year, I want to have someone who's a backup. I want to have that, that employee who's that level of accountability to it. If I'm, again, if I'm going to empower my employees, I've got to have an employee to, to empower and protect, right, at the end of the day. And so our decision was only full-time employees can create a group. Now, that said, we have a huge supplier population within Microsoft. We've got almost 100,000 suppliers within this company and helping us out with critical roles. And, and I'd say that uh, we want them to be, in some cases, they can be co-owners of a group. I don't have a problem with that. Maybe they can be co-owners of a site. Absolutely fine. I just have to have some full-time employee who has that final level of accountability back to the company to say, you know what? This is, um, this is someone who is, if I push comes to shove and I need to have a conversation, 
who am I going to hold accountable to that thing? Mm -hmm. So only employees can create groups today. Okay, got it. All right. Well, uh, I'm looking here. I think those are all the questions that have come in uh, today. So uh, we'll, we'll wrap this up. But I want to uh, let everyone know that if you've got, you know, interested in, in more content or more webinars like this one, you can go to Microsoft.com slash IT Showcase uh, for more info and more details on that. Uh, and uh, then we'll, we'll, we'll close it. I want to thank everyone for attending today. Thank you very much, David, for you, sharing man. your insights. Oh, Good absolutely. conversation. Uh, thanks very much uh, and have a very great day. Thank you.